Sean Marash time on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go, North America. Let's get crazy. It's another football Sunday. As we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios, millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams. With their help, they can help you to Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. That alarm may be going off on the East Coast at 5 a.m. Maybe you're working. Maybe you have a little running around to do. Get some stuff done before you park your ass right on that couch for 12 hours and enjoy, frankly, what I think is the best football NFL slate of the year that we have had to date. So maybe if you're looking over at that phone, rubbing those eyes, before you go make some breakfast, check and go, what I miss for the night? Don't put your phone down. I got it for you. Right now, it's your phone scroller. It's time for the phone scroller. The biggest stories you'll be reading waking up this morning. Only on the Sean Morass Show. All right, college football. What was really a weak slate, Ohio State, Penn State. Okay, Ohio State ends up running away with things, even though Penn State made it tight. But really, the shocker came when we didn't see one coming. It was Oregon, who just had to survive the next two weeks before the Pac-12 championship game. Go play Utah, have a shot, maybe beat Utah, and stake your claim that you as a name brand in Oregon belong back in the college football playoff. Only Herm Edwards and the Arizona State Sun Devils had different plans. Despite a rally by Oregon to get back in this game in the fourth quarter, it was Arizona State stunning Oregon 31-28 in Arizona. Unbelievable job by Herm Edwards, who, let's be honest, how many of us were all wrong? I'll raise my hand. Herm Edwards, yeah, is Arizona State head of the college football playoff? No. Is Arizona State some kind of big-time, big-time program? No. But Arizona State has been the ultimate spoiler, now beating five top 25 teams under Herm Edwards since he got there. And frankly, if you're a Pac-12 fan, if you're not an Arizona State fan, last night was devastating. Sure, Utah went and stomped out Arizona. But with Tua going down for Alabama, and Alabama did not miss a beat, winning 66-3 versus another also-ran team. Uh, Now I'm forgetting who the heck they played. They played Western Carolina. Yeah, you can excuse me while I forget that. Why? What happens here with the Pac-12 is this. I never believed for a second that as good as they are and as much as Joel Klatt wants to pound the drum, as much as Yogi Roth wants to pound the drum, as much as great a coach as Kyle Whittingham has been, that little old Utah not being undefeated, that's key here, having one loss already, if they go win the Pac-12 now versus an Oregon team that has two losses, that they are going to be worthy enough and the committee is going to view them as a team to go put in a college football playoff to go play LSU or Ohio State in that first round? Not a chance. The only chance the Pac-12 had to get in a college football playoff was Oregon. And you could have debated that anyway, and I was, since they had already lost to Auburn and Alabama would have to beat Auburn to get in. Bottom line is this, folks. If you don't think this is set up for two SEC teams to get in the college football playoff after last night, finally, you are off your bird, out of your rocker. Whatever saying you want to say, you're nuts. Because two SEC teams are getting in. Georgia struggled as well versus Texas A&M. They held on to win. If Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game, which watching those two teams play football this year, I don't know how you could be confident that would happen. Georgia and LSU would both get in. If LSU wins, newsflash, as long as they beat Auburn, and we will talk about that a week from now on the Sean Moraz Show, as long as they beat Auburn, Alabama will go to the playoff with an LSU win. The Pac-12 is cooked. The duck is burnt. The duck is served. 
Oregon is squashed, they ruin the Pac-12 playoff party with that loss to Arizona State. Story number two, we're not even going to do the NFL here right now with story number two. Instead, how about an NBA story? The ratings have been atrocious for the NBA to start the year. And you would think in a season with far more parity and far more fan bases that should be invested in the idea that, hey, this isn't just about Golden State and Cleveland. Golden State and Boston. Golden State and Toronto. Uh, dare I say, in Oklahoma City, when the Thunder were really good. You know, you go through the handful of teams the last couple of years that you said maybe they can make the finals. And generally speaking, it's only three teams before the year. Now there's so many more. But yet, ratings have sagged. Nobody's been into the NBA in the early part of the season. And you could go through a gazillion reasons why, right? Cord cutters. The idea that highlights are real. The idea that you have mega stars playing on the West Coast. And I'm sorry, those West Coast people don't want to hear this. And maybe I'm you know, really taking it to the West Coast between the Pac-12 and the NBA. But when LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, Anthony Davis are all playing games at 1030 at night Eastern time on a weeknight, frankly, nobody's staying up when they got to wake up between the hours of 5 and 630 a.m. Eastern. So maybe that's all contributed. But Adam Silver, this freaking guy, I, this freaking guy who we all love Adam Silver, right, being innovative. His new radical plan that he'd like to institute for the 2001-2022 season, and this all still has to be very much approved, one part of it I like is that you would do two, a couple one-game playoffs for the back end. So in other words, all this load management, you better make sure you get a top six seed, and you may want to play for the top seed to play this. If you want in for the seventh seed or the eighth seed, the seventh seed will play the eighth seed. The winner gets the seven, Right. The eight seed then, well, that loser isn't necessarily guaranteed the eight seed. They will now play the winner of a game between the nine seed and the ten seed to get the eight seed. So, in other words, create like Major League Baseball has with those one-game wild cards. Create a little feel of a one-game elimination the way the NFL does, the way March Madness does. That I could live with for the back end of those playoff spots. That I'd be interested in, too. Where Adam Silver has lost his mind, he is really pushing this notion that we thought was a joke over the summer of an in-season regular season tournament where you would have pool play as regular scheduled regular season games for all 30 teams, then through that pool play, take the best eight teams and play a playoff-style elimination tournament right in the middle of the season. We're talking about November, December, as we're trying to be locked into baseball. And they wouldn't do it in January because that'd be during the NFL playoffs, and February would probably be a little too late. And if you're thinking the winner would get an automatic bid to the playoffs, which, again, the winner probably would be making the playoffs anyway, no, 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 no. They just want to financially compensate millionaires with more money to act as if we're going to get eyeballs on the TV and care about a regular season tournament in December? Are you nuts, Adam Silver? Why are we trying to become soccer and be kooky? Soccer works for Europe. Soccer works when these regular seasons, like the English Premier League, can check out and they can run different tournaments. That doesn't work in the America, in USA. That doesn't work. It doesn't work for the American sports fan. We're not into regular season tournaments where we pause the season, then include some of it in the season, then stop the season, then go back to the season. That's nonsense, Adam Silver. If this idea goes through, it's ridiculous. You'll be hearing a lot about that throughout this week and this ridiculous idea by Adam Silver. Story number three you're waking up to, there is not a television set in America with Fox that will not get Cowboys and Patriots, thanks to the flex scheduling that moved the 49er Packer game out of 425 Eastern and to the Sunday night game. This game today between the Patriots and Cowboys will be the most watched game and the NFL schedule all season. Late Sunday, cool weather, weekend before Thanksgiving, and most of the U.S. with the cold weather. 
Everybody will be watching Cowboys Pats. And I started the show with this at 855-212-4227. That number again, 855-212-4CBS. I'm curious to get your calls on it. Jason Garrett cannot outwit, outsmart Bill Belichick. We all know that. But Tom Brady is sounding like a beaten man. And we all said, well, the end of Tom Brady's coming. And we've all been wrong before. But he sounded beaten and dis- dismantled, distraught. Any word you want to sound like or say. Because my thesaurus is short here. He sounded like it following that win versus the Eagles. He doesn't like the way the offense is playing. And the and the Patriots just seem like a, a team that's defensive driven. And Tom Brady looks like the Trent Dilfer to the 2000 Ravens defense right now. Tom Brady looks more Trent Dilfer than he does Tom Brady right now. And that may still guarantee a Super Bowl for the Pats. But they are ripe for the picking. And can the page, can the Cowboys go into New England and go beat a Patriot team the way both of their NFC's counterparts, the Giants and the Eagles, have in the past with their pass rush? And can Dak Prescott, who's having a damn good season, an underappreciated season, can Dak Prescott go have his quote-unquote Heisman moment NFL style in what should be a driving rainstorm in New England? And beat the New England Patriots. Because you know what? Call me crazy. And we'll get our NFL picks at the end of the, the, end of the hour. I believe the Dallas Cowboys, for the first time in about 20 years, have a real moment here. A real moment. They shock the world and go beat the New England Patriots. And I think we wake up about 24 hours from now. And the lead story on Monday morning is, is this the end of Tom Brady? And are the Patriots cooked? Because they just lost at home to Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys. I like, like, like the Dallas Cowboys in the rain on Sunday afternoon in Foxborough in a place, by the way, Bill Belichick, 128 and 28 at home as coach of the Patriots. 100 games over 500. That's how rare it is to go beat Bill and Brady in that building. But I think the Cowboys have may just have what it takes. Your thoughts on that again? 855-212-4227. That's your phone scroller. And CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And Caesar, my man, is in Dallas. Caesar, you ready for Pat's Cowboys? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm more than ready, uh, Sean. Uh, you know, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I also uh, like to look at the real picture. You know, I I'm, I think we don't, we're going to end up winning this game, but knowing the Cowboys how they are, we'll probably lose against the Bills, which is not <laughs> a bad thing to lose to. You know, it's not a bad thing to lose to. But you know, we win, we win today. Tomorrow, everybody's going to be uh, uh, um, praising the Cowboys. Oh, they're 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 legit, they're legit. And then come Thursday, we're going to lose. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm like you said, uh, Tom Brady's not himself this this season. Dak Prescott uh, with the cold weather, um, they're predicting rain throughout the whole game. Yep. I'm, I'm depending on Zeke, Zeke Elliott to show up, you know, just one game. You know, he hasn't shown up the whole season. We just need him to show up this game. You know, give us 90 yards on, 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 the, on, the, on the rush. Give us 30 more uh, 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 receiving yards. You know, I want him to have, well, you know, at least 150 total yards Caesar, Caesar, to, to win this game. No, Caesar, I agree with you. And to that point on Zeke Elliott, Look, you know the recipe for New England and what this is going to be. They're getting win back on their offensive line. That'll bolster it. 
But they're going to want to get after it. They're going to want to sell out to not let Dak beat them on the ground. Because remember, Lamar Jackson gave them fits a couple weeks ago. And yes, Dak is a mobile quarterback. He's not the runner Lamar Jackson is. But they will sell out to make sure Dak doesn't beat you on the ground. And if that involves Zeke beating you on the ground, then you have to attack with Zeke in the screen game. Keep that defense off. Because they're going to play man-to-man defense the way they love to. They're going to try to take Amari Cooper out of this with Stephen Gilmore. I still think Amari Cooper can make plays in this game. And you know, offensively, the way New England's going to try to win this game... James White, if you're playing fantasy football and you got James White, James White and a guy in the rain, short yardage passes, get Tom Brady comfortable, get him cooking with the offense. I think the Cowboys need to counter that with plenty of short passes to Zeke, plenty of screens, plenty of swing outs, stuff like that. I think that's where the game will be won. And I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to do a good enough job. And I think they're going to hit Tom Brady in this game. I do. I think their pass rush is going to get after it. The Cowboys pass rush has a lot of names. But not a lot of consistency. I think they get after it. And, you know, people want to point to the Cowboys losing the Jets. Look, I still think the Cowboys ultimately have been a fraud team, but I don't think Dak Prescott's a fraud quarterback. So I think they will find a way. And I think I, I just have this hunch Dak is going to have this big moment where we take them for real. And then ultimately the Cowboys will break everybody's hearts. Well, you know, big break Cowboys fans' hearts in the postseason and lose a game just when you believe in them. But I think for one Sunday here, they give you a little something special. And I think the story Monday is more about the fall of the New England Patriots. And look, we've seen the fall before only for them to get right back up and win the Super Bowl that same year. But I think it's a fascinating, fascinating game between the Cowboys and the Pats. We'll continue to take your calls on that. Or anything on your NFL Sunday, anything on the college football playoff rankings and where you think they stand now here with Oregon fading out. Plus, I teased this earlier in the show. I believe I now know the single worst type of holiday shopper that you will run into over the next four weeks. It's the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Sean Moraes on CBS Sports Radio. It is the Sean Moraes Show on CBS Sports Radio. Horowitz and McKeon with me. John is in Texas. John, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, man. How you doing? What's up, John? Uh, I've been wondering about the whole entire college ranking this year. Uh, I'm a big-time Oklahoma fan, and Oklahoma is at number nine right now. Granted, they lost to Kansas State, but Kansas State was on a huge momentum, and then after beating Oklahoma, they still went on a little bit of a thing. That sounds like an but, excuse. Well, but they got you got Utah, you got Oregon above them, and then you're talking about Bama still being ranked above them after Bama can't even get into a bowl game, like a, not a bowl game, but a championship game. So my question is, how are you going to put Oklahoma behind all these teams off of one game? Well, well, hold on here. The problem is, and I know this is stupid. If you're talking about rankings being broken, John, it is about style points. And let's be fair here; they followed that loss to Kansas State. And they went, and I know Matt Campbell's a great coach. Going to play Iowa State at home, they won that game by a point. Then they go right. at Baylor, and obviously we all know that game. They're trailing big. They come back to win. They win that game by a field goal. And I get that Baylor's ranked and they were undefeated. And then you followed up with a 28-24 win versus TCU. How many close, tight games do you want to play in a very suspect Big 12 and then think you deserve the respect over some of these other teams? Okay, but how are you going to put Georgia above Oklahoma whenever Georgia loses to a South Carolina team that, let's be honest, is nothing? Well, I think that's totally fair to talk about Georgia, and I think it's even more fair when you consider what they did versus Texas A&M. But that Georgia win versus Florida, frankly, I don't care that Baylor was undefeated, and I don't care about when you beat Tech. We've all seen what's happened to Texas since. That Florida win's more impressive than any win on the Oklahoma schedule. Okay, so they beat Florida, but Florida has not beaten a ranked team, and every single one of Florida, or no, they beat 
they had one win that was more than 14 points. Okay. So yeah. Florida, Florida has been ranked. So if your point I, if like, your point is Florida was overrated and therefore Georgia's win is overrated, that might be fair. But ultimately, let's be real here, John. Is it really going to matter? Do you really think that Georgia's going to beat LSU in the national title game in the uh, SEC title game? I don't. I think LSU is the best okay. team in the country. Right. right. Okay. They so that's like right. So they're playing like it I, again. It's impossible for anybody to judge Clemson. I still, in the gut of my stomach, think Clemson's the best team. But it's impossible for me to put that resume out there with the schedule. The point is, John, if you're arguing with about Georgia and you have a problem with Georgia being in the top four right now, I understand that. But real in reality. Why are you so focused on that? Because you know they're going to play LSU, and you know not both right. are going to get in. And oh, I mean, I guess they could in theory if Georgia won. But if you don't have any confidence yeah, in that, your question would be who you're getting in over that. And I don't know how you could put Oklahoma in over a one-loss Alabama right now. And if the conversation is is Utah, I guess I could have that. But in reality, neither of those teams belong in over Alabama. Okay, but what what's the point in having a championship game if you're going to put a team you're going to put an Alabama team in who isn't in the championship. Doesn't that just defeat the whole entire purpose of having that championship? As far as what, the SEC? Well, like, well, you have the SEC championship. You're going to have LSU and Georgia in it. Right. So, because, well, but, but, he, but here's the point, but here's why. What if, let's just say, for all intents and purposes, because there's no way of knowing this until all the teams line up, that Alabama and LSU really are the two best teams in the country. So because they play in the same division, we're going to punish Alabama because they lost the tight game to LSU? But they lost the game, didn't get in the championship, and then you got to think about they're not going to. But they, have but see, you just called guy. LSU, but you called LSU the best team in the country. They happen to play in Alabama's division. That is Alabama's one loss. You you want to compare Oklahoma losing to Kansas State because Kansas State had momentum heading into that game and think they belong in over Alabama, who lost to the team you just called the best team in the country. Okay, so but we can compare LSU beating Texas and letting Texas score more than they scored on Oklahoma, and Oklahoma beating Texas by the same amount. So we can actually compare LSU and Oklahoma together off of that, right? I mean, I guess it seems to be a little apples and oranges when you consider the Oklahoma-Texas game is a rivalry game. It's way different, but okay. Right, but it's a rivalry game. So I mean, if that's your linear score, I guess I could concede that a bit. The point is, though, you know the rules of the game where there's a 14 playoff. You know once you lose, you better rebound and be impressive. And all right. I've seen is a bunch of three- and four-point wins since that loss to Kansas State, and Oklahoma's done nothing to pad their resume since. They've done nothing but to pad still it. the number three offense in the nation. Okay. What does that do for you? And with, a Heisman, with a Heisman Trophy candidate. Right, but we know he's not winning the Heisman Trophy. Look, you can right. pull at this all you be, want. It's going to be Burrow. It's going to be. It's going to be Burrow. Look, really, how we could settle this is just have eight teams in the playoffs and know that the five and go win your conference championship, and then we wouldn't have this debate. And all we'd be doing is arguing about wild cards. Oklahoma, I could, I could not agree with you more on oh, that. My uncle and I say that every single day. Right, Oklahoma and Utah are going to end up getting stiffed because it's a four-team playoff, and that, and that's the end of it. I appreciate the call, John, but that's the reality. But I'm sorry, you can't come on here and call LSU the best team in the country. Know that Alabama lost the game. They got right back in. I know they were getting bullied in the first half. And have that be their one loss. And then come at me with, well, Kansas State was building momentum and that and Oklahoma's only loss versus that, so they deserve in. It doesn't work that way. And then try to play connect the dots with how you beat Texas compared to how LSU beat Texas. That's far stretch. You've had three games now since the Kansas State win to play not great teams. And Baylor was undefeated, yes. And you've won games by three points, three points, and four points in the Big 12. That is not how you rebound and show and flex your muscle. I mean, you're talking about a team that was you know, beating Houston 49-31 in their opener. 
smoking Texas Tech 55-16. Things got tight, beating West Virginia 52-14. You lost to Kansas State, and things got too close for comfort. Now, real quickly before we get to Pete, I spent, I've been teasing this. I have a eight, I guess now nine-month pregnant wife. However you want to, we're on the clock, put it this way. We are on the clock. We'll see if somebody jumps us for the pick. We are within four weeks of the due date, so I don't know how the math works on that. All I've been told is within the next week, it no longer becomes a situation where you should be shocked if the baby comes. Now, usually it comes close to the due date, but we're on the clock. My wife has come up with this grand plan, and I get it. Hey, holiday shopping, we need to get it all done now because if this baby comes early and we got to deal with that, we don't want to be caught and still needing to buy gifts for people and this, that, and the other thing. So we went on a big old extravaganza on Saturday. I said, that's fine. You're driving around as I can watch college football on my phone. This is the kind of Saturday I had to have. I'm watching Penn State, Ohio State at traffic lights on my DirecTV app. We're going in and out of stores, and it's a nice day. We're picking out decorations because suddenly she thinks I'm going to be Chevy Chase in our first house that we've bought, and I'm going to be hanging lights and blowing up inflatables and everything else, Christmas shopping. But we end up at the old Costco, the old price club, the old whatever you want to call it. And people, as you can imagine, mob scene ahead of Thanksgiving, right? Not only the holiday shopper where people are dumping 70-inch TVs into their cart, clothes for shopping, but you got the food section is bananas. And I know Peter Schwartz... Loves a good Costco food section. Love it. This is where I have a problem with people, and this is, I feel, the worst kind of people. And I want to know, I want honesty at all three of you of these people. People walking through with no shopping cart in, mm-hmm. in a Costco where everything jumbo size, you're going to need a cart. Yeah. Your first message. And boxing out people at every turn for the free samples. Oh, so now, I, don't get me wrong, I don't mind a free sample because you're trying to sell something, right? Like, I'm in there, I almost bought an artichoke dip I liked. But there were people, and I could tell, moms with daughters and stuff, and it's like their goal on a Saturday is to walk through and try every sample they can and window shop, if you will, at Costco with no purpose to buying anything. Now, let me tell you something. You want to do that on a hot July day, get some air conditioning in, fine. Now we are in the nitty-gritty of four weeks holiday stretch, weekend before Thanksgiving in a food section at a Costco. Do I need you taking up room and boxing out because you want to try half a knish? I found it ridiculous today, Pete. And rude, too. Excuse me, it's I was horrible. first. Well, first of all, who goes? Who walks into Costco without a cart? That's the point. Right, At least fake it. Number two. Give me a show. How about the person that goes on the line for the sample, takes the sample, and stands there, does not move, that's what and I'm takes about. another one? Pete, that's what I'm talking about, the rudeness. I should have made that a better point. They're taking the samples, and you could tell they're not shopping. They're having a conversation as if they're, I don't know, Rachel Ray talking about the souffle and whatever sauce it's on. Ooh, I like this. What do you think, Erica? Would you be making this? Ooh, I think we could try this. Why don't we get this dip? Oh, but we don't. We're going to fake like put on a show like we're buying, but really not mm. because we're not pushing around a cart. Meanwhile, I'm dying there. My knees hurt. My wife's, you know, I'm not even going to say the word, all cranky at me. Can I just put the condition in my mouth? Can you clear out? Can you clear out so I can have my sample after I spent $400 in this place and you go home empty-handed? I think these people really, I, I, is arrested too strong? 
Because I think they're stealing at this point. They have no yes. intent of buying anything. They are robbing Costco clean because all they want to do is eat the free food. And really, they're stealing people's time, standing in front of things, hogging all the samples. I'm plopping down 400 bucks to buy everything under the sun in Costco on a Saturday. You're just out there with your daughter spending two hours doing nothing the Saturday before Thanksgiving while people are in a rush to throw every spiral ham they can like a supermarket sweep. Take a lap. You're the worst kind of shopper. I would ask to see their membership cards because, you know, people can find their way into Costco oh. without the membership card. Well, ironically, I used my dad's membership card today. Oh. But, but <laughs> So I am one of those people. But I'm still spending money. Ben Horowitz, you work in supermarkets. You tell me. <laughs> I don't mean to play devil's advocate, but looking at it from the other perspective, how do you know these other people weren't like guys like you? You know, you what had an excuse where, oh, I got, honey, I got to sit in the front seat and watch college football. It's work. Meanwhile... These poor schleps might be out there. They got pregnant wives who are dragging them out to Costco to get no, all no, their no, stuff. No, 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 no. And while they're spending money, the only respite that they can get for the entire day is to walk away and get a little piece of knish. You ever think of that? No, I did think of that. And I clocked these people. I wow. ended up watching them go from sample to sample, n- never once picking up a card. All w- and they were together. It wasn't like one. Ro- yeah, I can just say it was a rogue guy who walked away from his wife looking at the 15-pound bag of Planters Peanuts. That's not the guy I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, mothers and daughters, fathers and sons. You could tell it's like their Saturday tradition. Let's go and hoggle the free samples for lunch with no purpose of buying anything and laugh with a good laugh because you're not standing on a 10-mile long line trying to get rung up for, again, a 15-pound bag of potatoes. Those people lost. Weekend before Thanksgiving, you got no business being in that store getting free samples. And I think they're the worst kind of holiday shopper. And really, I, on, I now I wish we could just do online shopping for big food items, too. You can. Yeah, I understand, but I still want to pick out my meat. But I had to get that off my chest because I found it to be There's crazy. a drop. Yes. <laughs> All right, we come back. My NFL picks plus the NFL did something fascinating that I really think makes Miles Garrett look, frankly, like an idiot. We'll discuss all that next. It's Sean Morash time on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's bring you home here on the Sean Morash Show. NFL picks about to come. First, Don in Oregon. Don, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, Mr. Morash. I, I, I have a suggestion for your daughter's name, a name for your daughter. All right, what do you got, Don? And before you actually, before you give it to me, just please tell you, I think the hay is in the barn here on the on the kid's name. But what do you got? Yeah, yeah, but you know what would really sound good is Shania. Shania, Sh- huh? like Shania Twain. Well, not with Twain, this Shania. Where? Okay, so I got to ask, what is the purpose of you giving me the name Shania? Like, does Shania mean something to you? No, it's just. I was just sitting here, you know, uh, getting getting a little happy on some of the uh, stuff we grow here in Oregon, and oh. it just came to me. And it was like I was listening to the show you were on with um, Peter Schwartz, and and I got a flashback. Well, well, hold on, I was not on with Peter Schwartz. I, this is the Sean Morris show, not the Peter Schwartz show. So maybe you are very high on whatever your uh, stuff you grow there in Oregon well, I heard is. Peter Schwartz, I thought he was doing the uh, update. Right, right, but right. Anyway, I got a flashback to when you guys in, in DA were working together, and you and, and you had the uh, the hot dog eating contest. Right. And I like flashback, and I went, "Geez, that's kind of Shania Twain." And I just thought of Shania Twain. 
Okay. Well, Don, thanks for the call. Okay. What the f*** was that? <laughs> so just to clarify for Don, so <laughs> somehow him remembering the DA show on the overnight when we did the hot dog eating contest with myself and Peter Schwartz led to Shania. I have no idea how. Has nothing to do with Shania Twain. He admits he's been smoking weed in Oregon all night. Good. On top of that, I'll let the world know I don't really care because it's it's out there. My wife is, you know, the, it's already painted on the walls. We've got pillows made. The, the, our daughter's name is going to be named Taylor. It's That's my middle name. I was named after Lawrence Taylor. It's a whole giant thing, right? So I don't think I'm going to be able to come home on a Sunday, wake up my wife who's got, you know, every mood swing under the sun while she's pregnant here and go, hey, by the way, honey, I know we got Taylor written across the wall. I know you got the pillows, but Don in Oregon was high on some real premium Chiba from Oregon. He thinks Shania is the name. What do you think? I don't know. There's still time. Yeah, I don't I don't think she's going to go for that. He's not here yet. Oh, where did he get Shania? Is he like Shania Twain? No, he got it because it came to him after, again, his 15th hit on whatever blunt he was smoking. Uh, and he remembered a hot dog eating contest between me and Peter Schwartz. I think that's the, the case cracker. I think she's really going to go for it. Oh. You think he was getting stoned and listening to Shania, and that's where it came from? I don't know what the heck was going on with Don. Man, I feel like a woman. Man. I think he doesn't like Carmelo as a blazer. I Although, I guess you'd be smoking that, too, if you just saw your college football blazer. playoff hopes go up in dreams. All right, well, there's no easy transition here. Note. But I am 12-12 and 12 on the Sean Moran Show for my Connect Four NFL picks. Last week, a big three in one week, I like an idiot. And uh, for the second straight week, I took the Bengals in the points. And that came back to bite me, or I could have had a four and a week. So 12-12 12 and 12 on the year. Uh, big football week, obviously, as we said. I'm going to go... All underdogs here for four games. All dogs. For the first time this year. The first time this year. I am picking my favorite football team, the New York Giants, getting six points. They come in off a bye week. Look, I think Pat Shermer stinks. I think the Giants team stinks. But I also think the Bears have no business with Mitchell Trubisky coming back and playing this game, laying nearly a touchdown versus anybody. I think Giants are going to be in this game in the first half. I don't know what, what Saquon Barkley is right now. Is Saquon Barkley still banged up after a bye week? If he is, they should probably shut him down. But if Saquon Barkley is what he's been talking about is off this bye week, that he feels he's back, you know what? I'm sorry. I think Saquon Barkley is going to make some plays on the ground. I think Daniel Jones is going to continue to shine. Daniel Jones, six games left, 13 touchdown passes away from Baker Mayfield's record for a rookie quarterback. Give me the Giants to find a way to, if not win, keep this tight. Giants plus six, pick number one. Pick number two, I've been on this game all night, so how can I not pick it? I like the Cowboys getting six. I think the Cowboys are going to win the game outright, as a matter of fact. But if you don't have, uh, if you will, the stones, the stoners, if you're out in Oregon, to pick them on the money line, take the six points here. It's going to be a sloppy game. You're expected driving rain in Foxborough all game long. The Patriot offense, they're not in a position right now to be blowing anybody out. If this game gets out of hand, it's because Jason Garrett did something stupid to allow it to. I like Dak Prescott's going to make mistakes in this game. This isn't going to be Dak Prescott throwing three interceptions to turn this into a blowout. So I expect the Cowboys to keep this keep this as tight as possible and in the end pull out and win this game tight in the rain. Give me the Cowboys plus six, pick number two. Pick number three, I go to the Sunday night game, and this seems to be a game everybody's on 
And I get it, and I'm there with you. I'm taking the Packers plus the three against the Niners in San Francisco. Look at that San Francisco schedule the rest of the way. The only quote-unquote cupcake they have is Atlanta. And right now, the Falcons, let's face give Dan Quinn credit off the bye. They've won back-to-back games, and they don't even look like a cupcake. If the Niners do lose this game and look really bad doing so, they honestly could be looking at a 10-6 and type of year and have the wheels fall off here. What can the Green Bay Packers do versus that Niner front seven? Well, that remains to be seen, but I do think Aaron Jones will make plays. I think Aaron Rodgers, obviously, if I'm getting points with him, I'm going to like and feel comfortable with that situation. I believe Green Bay finds a way to win the game. Again, I am getting points, so I will take Green Bay plus three. Pick number four, I'm going to go to Monday Night Football, and I'm going to go to a game where I think everybody's hot on one train and zigging, so I'm going to zag. The Rams haven't looked right all year. Even versus the Bears, they haven't looked right. The Ravens, we have obsessed over. We believe they are a true Super Bowl contender. John McClain said he believes that they will go to the Super Bowl earlier in the show about an hour ago. They play the Rams and travel on Monday night. Boy, this feels like a typical NFL spot where a team lets you down. I've tossed on this game. Ian McKean discussed this game earlier in the year. I am going to grab the points here with the Rams at home, plus three. I think Lamar Jackson makes a couple mistakes here, and it's one of those, okay, we forgive him. But ultimately, are the Ravens really going to win out here? Are the Ravens going to win out? Are the Ravens that good? The Ravens are going to have to stub their toe eventually and get a little humbling moment. I think this could come Monday night. Give me the Rams getting three. So at 12-12, and 12, three are, I'm taking four dogs. Giants plus six. Cowboys plus six. Packers plus three. Rams plus three. That's your connect four games of the week. Now, I, I can't exit the show without at least bringing up the Miles Garrett allegations that Mason Rudolph uh, used some sort of racial slur, and that's what prompted the helmet swinging incident. Did anybody pay attention to the news that broke Saturday about this Steelers-Browns fight that we're still talking about a week later? More than $732,000 in fines were handed out. The NFL, combined with fines, suspensions, everything, has disciplined. Get this number. So now think about this. There are, what, 40, I should know this better, 45 active players or 46 active players on each roster. So we're looking at about 92 players on that field for that Thursday night game. The NFL has disciplined 33 players. 33. So nearly a third of the players playing in that game that ended with that fight with Miles Garrett swinging the helmet were disciplined, whether it was fine or suspension or both. 33. The NFL, through reviewing everything, deemed 33 players worthy enough to punish For this fight, and yet, here we are, what, 72? No, not even. 48 hours? Maybe it is 72. I've lost track of what day it is. Since the news broke of Miles Garrett saying that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, and that's what prompted his helmet-swinging rage. And you mean to tell me, on both teams, the Browns and the Steelers, now that this is public, what, what Miles Garrett has said, not one of these 33 or 32 other people besides Miles Garrett... Happen to hear the racial slur? The NFL reviews, reviewed film and found 33 people worthy enough to discipline and somehow not one other person, not one of them, even on the Browns, heard a racial slur dropped? Well, how could we take Miles Garrett at his word? How? Miles Garrett, the same guy who stood up and apologized right away. The same guy who, by the way, wasn't suspended immediately after the game, could have walked around that Browns locker room as everybody was talking about from Jarvis Landry to Odell Beckham Jr., how that win felt like a loss because of what Miles Garrett had. You're telling me Miles Garrett, who might be a little different guy, I understand, 
didn't tell one single person in that locker room what Mason Rudolph had said. And yet that fight that was around enough people and Marcus Pouncey, who had no problem trying to stomp out Miles Garrett, who's African-American himself, and Mike Tomlin, who's an African-American head coach, nobody got wind that Mason Rudolph said that or said a racial slur because it obviously did not happen. And if it had happened, we would have known right away and Miles Garrett wouldn't have held back right away because it would make no sense from a PR standpoint to keep that to yourself if you're Miles Garrett at the lowest moment of your career, a moment you may not get past. But you happen to pull this out when it's time to save your ass at an appeals hearing? Get serious, take a lap. Look, I'm not denying that racism exists, obviously. I'm not denying that there could be players in the NFL that are racist or maybe say some really horrible and wretched things. What I am saying is, A, that should be an excuse to swing a helmet and something that could kill somebody. And also, B, if that happens, in this day and age, we're going to know about it, or your teammates are going to know it. You're going to tell somebody. You're going to tell somebody because people are going to want answers right away. Miles, how could you do that? Your own teammates were saying it felt like a loss, and you didn't tell anybody? And now the NFL did all of this review of everything and found 33 Players that they could find in some way, shape, or form for the role they played in an incident that escalated to Miles Garrett swinging his helmet. In an incident that Miles Garrett appealed and said that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur. And not one of those 33 people heard this? Or had wind of it? Or heard it secondhand before it came out at the appeals hearing? I find that hard to believe. And that's where I end the show today. The Sean Mraz Show. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at MrazCBS. I have a hard time believing Miles Garrett and even a harder time when you see, obviously, this fines and everything that came out of this. John Kincaid is next on many of these same affiliates, SiriusXM206radio.com. He's got your football Sunday. Then DA football Sunday to follow that. A great day to stay locked to CBS Sports Radio. It's the Sean Mraz Show. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week. Also, I am in for Bill Ryder Wednesday and for Amy Lawrence Friday morning. Let's get it. At Mraz CBS, have a great weekend, everyone.